All right, everybody, I've got a big one for you. This is one of those episodes where if there's somebody from the LDS church watching the entire thing and they say, ah, you just didn't understand. There's totally a prophet speaking to us on earth today. You just don't want to listen. I think maybe people of the LDS church should watch this. Anyone who is thinking of converting to the church, anyone who says, oh, those missionaries seem nice. They're inviting me over to listen to their general conference. And this is one of those times where the outsiders are uh, invited to actually listen to the messages of the uh, prophets of the LDS church. What are they saying? What are they up to? So today I'm bringing you a very special edition of Culty News. I don't know what else to call it, but without further ado, let's get into it. This past weekend was LDS General Conference, where Mormons from all over the world uh, tune in and listen to the words and revelations and messages of their Mormon leadership, including the prophet, seer, and revelator Russell M. Nelson. The most notable part of conference was what the church newsroom here retweeted, which is a quote from Russell M. Nelson. There is no end to the adversary's deceptions. Please be prepared. Never take counsel from those who do not believe. To which I retweeted, don't listen to those people out there. They're all the enemy. The only truth you need is right here within our family. Jim Jones, People's Temple. Same Kool-Aid, smaller sacrament cup. Then I went on to say, the world out there is corrupt and filled with lies. Trust only in my interpretations of the scriptures and don't let anyone else lead you astray. David Koresh, Branch Davidians. The only way to salvation is through me and my teachings. Ignore what the world says, for they are deceived. We alone have the truth. Marshall Applewhite, Heaven's Gate. And then I threw together some pictures of those cult leaders with President Nelson looking over their shoulders, taking notes on how to maintain authoritarian control. I like that my little meme even inspired the cultural hall to make this. Hang up. Corporate needs you to find the differences between this picture and this picture. Intel has told us there are at least seven. Okay, I already see one. Give them. Okay. They're the same picture. They're the same picture. But don't think I didn't get pushback. Someone said, I know you don't agree with him, but you're comparing him to a mass murderer. Not only are many Mormon leaders uh, guilty of being mass murderers, as a matter of fact, I recall a Mormon Stories interview in which a young man even said that when he was discussing his faith crisis with his stake president and getting a gauge at the authoritarian control that his his church was expecting of him. I don't. I said I don't know when he's speaking for God because I am not given the ability to or the, the permission, the discretion to think for myself and arrive at a different answer than the answer the prophet is telling me to arrive at. I explained that to him and, and he said, well, it, it's easy to know when the prophet is speaking or, or what's speaking for God. And I said, okay, you know, tell me the secret. And he says, always. You're saying everything this guy says is God's will? And he says, yes. And he asked, what would you do if President Nelson said that we're at war with Mexico? Because President Nelson said, that's what God wants us to do. Bring all of your guns and your food and everything. We are going to invade the nation of Mexico. Take it over in the name of the church. What would you do? And I kid you not, he said to me with a straight face, God's done stuff like that before. I was speechless. Which is freaky when you think about it because there are probably a lot of members like that that would literally do anything. Drink the Kool-Aid. 
So no, this isn't like some totally exaggerated comparison. And then I went on to say, is mass murdering bad? Yes. Then he should stop using the authoritarian rhetoric of bad people. If you can't bring people to the God you represent on messages of love and collaboration, then your God is not the Jehovah preached about in the war in heaven. It's Lucifer. We're going to get into all the pro-Mormon reactions, what kind of waves and toll this rhetoric is actually taking. Uh, as I tweeted that, Shane Smiley, I have to just basically recreate what he said because when I went to go screen grab it, he deleted his account. I'm not going to say that anyone in a discussion argument on Twitter, whoever deletes their account, did so because they lost an argument. I'm not going to go there, but I will say that on two sides of the debate where one person is saying, this is an authoritarian type of control. You should have some red flags going off. And then the other person says, nah, then deletes their account. I will say that that doesn't look good on for your side. So basically he said, wow, ex-Mormon sure do follow general conference closely. It's almost like they know it's good and true. To which I replied, because we are more aware of the harm it causes. Wow, what an own. And then, and then Shane, the, the Mormon said, so ex-Mormons like you just want everyone to abandon their faith and become secular liberal atheists? That's the state of Vermont. And let me tell you, it's not that great. And then I said, engaging in black and white thinking to resist engaging in the argument, I see. There will always be a Mormon church in Utah in 1847 or in 2023. My goal is to make it a healthier place to belong to. Every benefit you enjoy today has changed over time due to opposition and exposure. And what are those harms uh, that I'm trying to expose? As we will get into, this type of rhetoric is extremely divisive and harmful to mixed faith families in the church. This is posted to ex-Mormon Reddit and is entitled, My wife's email to the bishopric, her shelf broke due to Nelson's talk. We need to get into this. I want to review Nelson's talk. All this and more on this live stream today. Prophet, seer, and revelator of the Mormon church calls for Mormons to reject all non-Mormon advice. Well, have I convinced you yet that this is going to be a good show? Got a lot of good stuff for you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Tuning in. We are live right now. People were wondering. So, yes, we do have good vibes. Thank you. So I uh, have lots of clips, lots of reactions from all over the Internet. And we're going to start playing President Nelson's talk and stopping it throughout. If you are new to this channel, you know me. No, you don't. Well, you should. My name's Kara Burrell. I go by Nuanceo. I run this podcast and a 501c3 called the Nuance Hug Foundation. If you want to keep this content alive, I really do live and die off of donors. So there's ways to donate below. I have a Venmo and a donor box are some of the best ways and also a Patreon where all this and more ad-free are over there. These uh, podcasts are also available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. So there's been a lot of commotion around the remarks of President Nelson, specifically those dealing with not listening to anyone outside of the faith, outside of the teachings of the Mormon church. They have not the spirit that we're looking for. 
this kind of talk I'm excited to, to get into because it really hits at the core of what I'm always trying to explain to people in the church, outside of the church, this uh, outsourcing of your autonomy to people that you just assume know better and the ways that they misuse it for harm that is detrimental to you and maybe everyone around you. So uh, I was having a little bit of trouble at the beginning trying to get my video a going, and I think I will be able to do it now if I go like this. <gasps> Ta-da! All right, so to start off, I'm going to go over here. So I thought we would start off, though, with, uh, you know, when you're when you're a Mormon, you're sitting down for 75 hours of general conference, listening to your prophets speak. There is an attitude to not pay attention whatsoever already. And uh, sometimes it does feel like the ex-Mormons are paying more attention than the Mormons are because we are interested in what is going on with you know, our loved ones, our family members, what kind of messages are they receiving? But if you just fall asleep during conference, that's that's actually perfect. So I am going to start off on an actual nice note. I saw this on a, a TikTok last night and I thought it was cute. So I just want to start everyone off with a laugh. Mormons and ex-Mormons, everyone in between can all sit around and agree. So uh, President Nelson and uh, M. Russell Ballard, there was some commotion on if they would be speaking or not. And Nelson was sitting during this. So I thought this was funny. Said when they announced that President Nelson and Elder Holland won't be attending conference, but I can't stay awake for it anyway. Doesn't matter because I'm going to take a nap. You'll hopefully you'll be thanking me that I sped up President Nelson's talk a little bit. So uh, these are some of his remarks around a talk of, called Think Celestial, the prophet, seer, and revelator of the Mormon church. I'm going to be stopping it throughout. And then, man, we're going to have a whole chat about it at the end. I recently celebrated my 99th birthday. I'm often asked the secret to living so long. A better question would be, what have I learned in nearly a century of living? Did anyone else stop at that part and say like, Hmm, what has he learned in like a century of living? Was it like you can try to stop the Civil Rights Act of 1964, eh, but your church isn't gonna? <laughs> that like, you know, people have, did you learn in your hundred years of living that like, you know, in 2015 when the Supreme Court ruled that gay marriage is gonna be a thing, did you learn that no matter how much money that you pump into Prop 8, it's not gonna do anything, people are still gonna get gay married did you learn about like uh, Brown versus the Board of Education and uh, everything else that your church has actively fought against is, is still going to progress forward? That's what I was thinking, like, when he says this. Time today does not allow me to answer that question fully. Time today doesn't allow me to answer that question fully. Our Heavenly Father's plan is a perfect plan. An understanding of God's fabulous plan takes the mystery out of life and the uncertainty out of our future. I need to make sure my face is in the right spot that I need it to be. Okay. Thank you, John. Mormon Stories donate donated 10 bucks for a super chat. Please donate to Nuanso. Thank you, guys. I told you the links are below. And if John likes me and you like John, then maybe you and John can all uh, agree on one thing together, which is sending me money. Appreciate you. If you want me to slow it down, I can, but it might sound like he's drunk, 
which could be fun. Anyway, what he just said was, uh, you know, following the covenant path takes all of the the questions out of life. You just stay on the covenant path. And uh, one theme that I'm wanna, gonna wanna go over a lot is this this uh, break with your your testimony in you know the orthodoxy of following these leaders that you really know that they speak for God, that going from that one place in Mormonism to less and less orthodoxy to following them. And it does feel really good to outsource that sometimes and be like, follow the prophet. They know the way. And it it just becomes this break though, over time, if you're paying attention with the number of times that you can't follow the prophet because they don't know the way because of, like I just mentioned, the times through history in which the church has, has been on the wrong side. And they have fought against the very things that now they act like they were for. And so that, that feeling that it's nice to, to, to not have so much confusion about the world and it re- removes a lot of the mysteries of life, not only is that just not what you're getting within Mormonism, no matter how much they say that's the proposition, I actually think that if more Mormons, anyone would realize that kind of what life is about is that no matter what oppositions come up in life, what trials, what surprises come up, that you have a framework that is actually resilient, that isn't based around the teachings of these 100-year-old men who are often wrong. So not only is it not a good framework, just because of who we're talking about here, um, it's it's necessary for every person, no matter what, to not seek that outside of themselves. And then life's mysteries actually can be fun. It's it's actually rewarding to be able to go through the bumps of life and get through it by finding your own divinity within. So it's, again, there's the, like this fear mongering that life's scary, stick with us. It allows each of us to choose how we will live here on earth and where we will live forever. The baseless notion that we should eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die and it shall all be well with us is one of the most absurd lies in the universe. And it's an absurd lie because it's it's basically a meme. It's like a joke. It's like people, I don't think, actually really act like that. We don't all just eat and drink and be merry. When you're in Mormonism, you have this idea that people out in the world just don't live for anything substantial. There's Reddit threads that I've read before about like, you know, someone I really loved and trusted, they left the church and now I can't believe that they've given up everything for something so shallow. And it's like, no, people, 8 billion people on earth don't just eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow they die. People still love their families. They still invest in their their work and uh, there's still plenty of uh, love and sacrifice and all the things that you assume you can only get within Mormonism. Like that's such a ubiquitous human experience. And to, to uh, uh, summarize the human experience outside of Mormonism as an e- eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die, that is really shallow. And uh, I, I, on the best case of uh, interpretations of that, yeah, the there's not a whole lot of promise and 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 uh understanding about what the next life holds but i think the majority of uh humans i hope in my audience like we want the the best for our children a world that they can grow up with better rights less discrimination for others more understanding more love like is that just 
people shooting heroin and getting drunk on the weekends and having orgies. Uh, no, I'm like, yeah, those circles exist. But generally speaking, there's 8 billion people on earth and not everyone outside of the Mormon church just lives a wild life because tomorrow they can die. So again, there's the straw man that he kind of paints here that our covenant path is the way to happiness and everyone else on the outside has a much shallower view of how to live their existence. We don't want any of that, do we? Here's the great news of God's plan. The very things that will make your mortal life the best it can be are exactly the same things that will make your life throughout all eternity the best it can be. Today, to assist you to qualify for the rich blessings Heavenly Father has for you, I invite you to adopt the practice of thinking celestial. Thinking celestial means being spiritually minded. Far too many people live as though this life is all there is. However, your choices today will determine three things where you will live throughout all eternity, the kind of body with which you will be resurrected, and those with whom you will live forever. So those are some, like I mentioned in my intro, if you have to uh, kind of instill a sense of fear into your membership to get them to want to listen to you, it's, it's, it's losing your family. It's the type of body that you'll have. It's where you'll spend eternity. There's these ideas in Mormonism about like uh, everybody in our family needs to make it to the celestial kingdom because we don't want empty seats at the table. So this fear mongering around not just this life, but where you're going to spend eternity is one of the things that causes the most scrupulosity, like religious OCD in, in Mormons minds. And as, as we'll get into it, and he says, you know, don't take counsel from other people like the very things that he's talking about here are some of the reasons why Mormons are are in therapy, seeking counseling, at, uh, overcoming this scrupulosity because they are living in so much fear that they can never measure up. Because once you're set for eternity, where you live for eternity, that's eternity. If you buy into this belief and you really do believe your, your family will be separated from you um, by you know, the actions you make and the actions they make that have eternal consequences forever that are kind of set in stone after the resurrection and after judgment. These, uh, these are not abstract ideas in, in Mormons lives. And, uh, even if you're ex-Mormon, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning, the, the reasons why we pay attention and we care about these things is because our family believes these things and that that sloughs off onto us and how they treat us, you know? So think celestial. If we unwisely choose to live celestial laws now, we are choosing to be resurrected with a celestial body. Mm. So then I put up this meme <laughs> that I found. If you don't pay your tithing, God will take away your ding dong. So there's a lot to be said on this. This thing that he talks about right here is that it determines what kind of body you'll have in the afterlife. That is, if you don't know Mormon doctrine, uh, I believe it was Joseph Fielding Smith and Doctrines of Salvation that said, you know, when you're resurrected, gender is actually not eternal. That when you're resurrected, the only the people in the celestial kingdom will be able to procreate. You actually get your your entire body restored to you, and you uh, 
have the ability to then spiritually recreate, you know, your your own new worlds as a god with your with your eternal spouse, male, female, still smashing their nasties together up in heaven, just as Heavenly Father and his wife or multitudes of wives have done. So it determines what kind of body you'll get. And if you don't qualify for the celestial kingdom and exaltation, literally what the prophet's talking about here is that you will have your genitals removed from you, that you have, they call it a, a celestial kingdom TK smoothie. You know, you just have like a Ken and Barbie smooth undercarriage and you're not able to um, feel that sweet, sweet orgasmic joy of uh, telestial sex. And why, why would you? Because there's no procreation. So again, these are threats about your eternal salvation. You don't pay your tithing if you don't follow these covenants. Your body, literally, the, the, the gender that you assume that you would carry on forever, you get everything else restored to you, your fingers and your limbs and your really crooked nose. All of it's there in its perfection. This thing, not going to change one bit. But uh, if I'm resurrected, according to Mormonism, mm, everyone will just have to miss out on uh, all the other genitalia that you and I are uh, so grateful to have on this plane. Don't use it. Up. Don't don't think just because you're getting it taken away that you should use it a bunch. She says, she says, just don't use it now. Obey the laws of, you know, chastity and virtue. And then also, you could die as a virgin. Also, no sex for you. No procreation. Consider the Lord's response to the prophet Joseph Smith when he pleaded for relief in Liberty Jail. The Lord taught the prophet that his inhumane treatment would give him experience and be for his good. If thou endure it well, the Lord promised, God shall exalt thee on high. The Lord was teaching Joseph to think celestial and to envision an eternal reward rather than focus on the excruciating difficulties of the day. And then I decided to put this up, another tweet that I had on that original tweet thread. But, you know, I, re I read off a few different cult leaders of our modern day. I just thought that I would add some from Joseph Smith. And uh, he also said, if any man preach any other gospel than that which I have preached, he shall be cursed. And some of you, who now hear me shall see it, Joseph Smith. So I I, I wouldn't say President Nelson necessarily that like uh, that Joseph Smith was just like, you know, clenching his fists and enduring his inhumane treatment, which, you know, I agree. It sounds very cold and very hungry on the floor of that jail. He probably only had like a couple of scraps of paper to write letters to his teenage wives but you know he got the bad boy status he was looking for uh but you look into joseph smith um i don't know if he really was thinking celestial in terms of like this will be okay just endure treat people well god will take care of this it was a lot more like curse the enemies burn down the printing press nobody can know about these wives i have uh anyone who doesn't like me well, you work for Satan. You've been enticed by Satan. A lot of talk of uh, any apostates from the church, and uh, there's he's he's acting like Joseph Smith, just really solid dude, 
It's not quite the the image that you get of Joseph Smith if you study his history. He was a lot more like, well, yes, I will be in heaven and you will feel my wrath and the wrath of me and my 40 wives. But for now, also feel the wrath of this fire that I'm setting to your building. Feel the wrath of my militia marching through town. Stuff like that. So... Well, President Nelson, it's a nice thought. Thanks, Celestial. I get it. Best case scenario. I understand to widen your perspective, things that are wrong or hurtful and trials you go through. Zoom out a little bit. Look at this in context. Try to learn something from it. Everybody gets that. We don't We don't need the other stuff. You can get that on the freaking yoga retreat. <laughs> You 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 don't you don't need to have all this other authoritarian uh, bullcrap kind of going along with it. That's mainly my problem. As you think celestial, you will find yourself avoiding anything that robs you of your agency. Any addiction, be it gaming, gambling, debt, drugs, alcohol, anger, pornography, sex, or even food, offends God. Why? Because your obsession becomes your God. I'm really not liking the call out of Taylor Swift right now. He's He knows that he can't sell out stadiums like Taylor Swift can. He knows that he's not bringing it. There's a lot of stuff in the news right now making Mormonism look really bad. And a lot of stuff making people who, uh, you know, actually provide some real solace for the soul Taylor Swift. I think it's pretty obvious that this is a direct attack on Taylor Swift. So just so you know, I, I made this shirt. It says this 1950s shit they want from me. I need to show it off a little bit better. Yeah. So I made that design. Thanks very much. I sell it in my merch store. Uh, don't really appreciate that attack on, uh, on my mother. But again, there's this idea within religious circles. This was there when I was a Christian. That, you know, people make these idols to worship and they put these things on a pedestal and it's like, you know, it could be the sneakers that you buy. Whatever you think about, that is your God. And uh, while people have uh, interests, people find meaning in things outside of you, doesn't mean they're addicted to it just because people eat a couple extra calories and uh, doesn't mean that. They're addicted to something and that they they worship it. This is uh, giving me a lot of vibes that President Nelson and the church, they really are uh, scared and are coming in full attack on anybody who might have any outside perspectives and ideas and to, to tell the membership to be very careful. Eyes up here, folks. Armageddon, really right around the corner. I've checked my watch and... I'm scared for all of you. The best way to get through it, sex addictions, pornography, listening to the Midnight's album on repeat, all going to prohibit you from living in the celestial kingdom with me and my two wives. Because don't forget, President Nelson, eternal polygamist. Uh, President Oaks, when they're thinking celestial, they're like, think celestial. Think about me and my mansion in heaven and my two wives. I don't want to think about that kind of stuff. I want to think about Nuance's merch store. I don't know. You look to it rather than to him 
for solace. Thinking selection will also help you obey the law of chastity. Few things will complicate your life more quickly than violating this divine law. For you who have made covenants with God, immorality is one of the quickest ways to lose your testimony. Mm. Many of the adversaries... You know what? That's... Again, if we're going to talk scrupulosity and the thing about Mormonism is it makes up a lot of rules and you can be your very best Mormon and try to do what you can to live every law that you think that you're living and you still won't live it and you'll, you'll judge other people and you'll compare how they're living and the things they're doing. Be like, why do they get away with that when I have to live this? It has... It would be really nice if it was just like one thing you have to not do. Just don't walk into a CVS pharmacy on Sunday. Easy. That is, I can go to Walgreens. I can go to Costco. It's like really easy not to walk through that one building. Like I'd like to go there. I might want to pay, but I, I can, I can absolutely avoid it. It's just like another thing when you're taking the intuitive, uh, like necessity of human beings to want to be naked together, but not just that to, to love each other and feel loved. And as he'll explain this, this qualifying for heaven can only be done under these circum certain circumstances. So it's like, I cannot do a, a certain amount of things, but if you're saying like, okay, the way you get into heaven is just don't ever, uh, look at a tree. You can do anything you want just so do I just keep my eyes closed? Can I peek? Oops, I saw a little bit of a tree. I saw some leaves. I, I think it was, well, you need to go repent for that. It's just, it is so uh like quintessential to the human experience to uh find uh love and uh, embrace in the best circumstances, and then in you know, other circumstances that are also great, you know. Those orgies I was talking about earlier. No, I'm exaggerating, but uh, I, I don't appreciate the type of rhetoric uh, around chastity that just has this call to consistent purity that is just not uh, achievable for mankind. It just isn't. It has it has everything to do with other women, like women having to wear clothes to not tempt the young men, like off putting that uh, accountability and arousal. Uh, that, that, that somebody else is now uh, implicated in your sin. It's just way too complicated and messy. And when I was Mormon, I would have thought in terms of like, okay, everyone's just like making a big deal of this. Just like, like, uh, just say no to yourself. Just like, don't have sex. Like, just don't. And like, like I said, you know, if that's one standard, like just don't walk into a CVS on, on, on Sundays. Just that's the one thing you, you have to not do. You're leaving out an entire subsection of sexuality and just parts of normal uh human flirtation and seduction no just just everything that that it, that sexuality is a natural part of life is all encompassed in this entire sin that is now uh looked over and judged by all of these men these hundred year old men or you know your bishops and things that you you don't know what's right for your body you don't know what's right um and how to consent properly inside this Mormon church. The only thing you know about it is, is just once, once you're married, then anything kind of goes except for that one period where they said no oral sex. Right. So 
So a big old 20 bucks from Spenny. Why do ordinances for the dead, if your choices will determine where you live throughout eternity, the kind of body with which you will be resurrected and those with whom you will live forever? Crazy talk. Yeah, it really doesn't make any sense because President Nelson says all throughout this talk, he's like, this plan makes sense. Isn't Heavenly Father just amazing? His plan, so much sense. If you're confused, that's a you problem. Totally spells out. He loves us. Not a question in my mind, but that very issue with, okay, in, in the eternities, we can do these ordinances in the temple. And then apparently everybody who's ever lived on planet earth, all like hundred billion up to this point, will have the opportunity to have their temple work done by proxy, by Mormons doing dunkings and baptisms and laying on of hands and saying, receive the Holy Ghost, those ordinances by proxy on the other side of the veil for every single person, their name is being said over here on earth at some point, and they get to go, yes, I would like to receive that ordinance. And they get to go up to the celestial kingdom or they go, no, I think that I'm in the Mormon spirit world. And it actually, I'm not convinced. I haven't been won over. I know that this entire spirit world is run by Mormons, but there's something in me that just says, no, that's the people who apparently even in the afterlife will, for some reason, reject this Mormon gospel. It, it just doesn't make any sense, but they still spend m -m 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 millions of dollars on temple work because of this idea. But you ask some follow-up questions and uh, it really falls apart real quickly. Loving the super chats. Thanks guys. How are families together forever? If they're procreating for their own planets all time, thank you so much for reaching critical thinking. I've learned so much from you. Thanks. Appreciate you. Uh, how do families live together? Again, that's another question. It's a, a follow-up that you're not really supposed to ask because it's like you, like be like me and my husband, Aaron forever. And then like our kids would ideally in Mormonism get married to people of the opposite sex and then they would be sealed and they'd be off on their planets. And there's like some visitation maybe perhaps, but then also anyone who has married polygamously, they have many different wives. It, I don't know how the, the families are together forever. It's kind of, again, it's an idea, but no one's really flushed it out when you ask follow-up questions, right? This weekend of general conference left me so depressed. The leaders of the church don't care about its PIMO members. Yes. Thank you for the super chat. And I'm going to get into that in just a second. And then brisket and ribs, five bucks. Thank you. Said, does this change how my LDS extended fam and I never mo interact? Seems so sketched to me. Don't know how to approach. Well, you can start just giving them some counsel and advice. <laughs> start dipping that your toe in the water. Be like, I heard some great peer reviewed research on the subject you were talking about. And may I approach you to counsel and then pause and, and see if they say, no, wait. And, and then, or they can go like, sure, go ahead. Maybe they were asleep for that part of conference. I don't know. Okay. Continuing on. Most relentless temptations involve violations of moral purity. The power to create life is the one privilege of godhood that Heavenly Father allows his mortal children to exercise. Thus, God set clear guidelines for the use of this living divine power. Did he, though? Did he really? He set clear guidelines. 
Not a single question has been ever asked about these guidelines. He set them up. And then Joseph Smith said, can I marry teenagers? And God said, yeah, that's within the guidelines. And then all of uh, Joseph Smith's like prophets and successors are like, can I, for a birthday present, steal lots of dead children as young as like nine years old? I want to say six, but I don't want to be misquoted. I'm definitely sure there's as young as nine years old. Can, can, can we seal dead children to us that will be married to us in the afterlife so that we can have our genitals and they will be one of our wives and we can scoop them up for, cause it was, it was a hot nine-year-old. She's going to definitely be a hot person who can consent later. I know that for sure. I'm the prophet seer and revelator. These guidelines are clear. God's like, he's like, of course you can. There's not like it. I, I know there's no such thing as dumb questions, but God's God's getting a little bit annoyed with how much his his prophets are like, I set out the guidelines, marry as many kids as you want. Physical intimacy is only for a man and a woman who are married to each other. How much of the world does not believe this? But much of Tim Ballard doesn't believe this. <laughs> the public opinion is not the arbiter of truth. The Lord has declared that no unchaste person will attain the celestial kingdom. Okay, so let's go ahead and think about how much that is going to F up people's brains. No unchaste person can enter the celestial kingdom. Do you have any idea, President Nelson, how easy it is in your standards in 2023 to become unchaste? There's so much rhetoric around, uh, like I said, that people are uh, responsible for, for other people's thoughts and minds and sin. There's so much um, lack of just general consent within Mormon marriages and, and and Mormon dating scene. There's a fantastic book that I would love to read and have the author on later. And she has a chapter called uh, uh, Rape is Not Just Sex Minus Consent. Like there, there's a bajillion things that uh, within the Mormon culture are actually humongous problems. And then to say that it's outside of, of, of the strict guidelines of, of Mormon chastity, that if you cannot follow this exactly, that's when you're straying. It's a complete flip-flop of honestly how it should be. It should be an understanding and an embrace of like the inherent uh, normal uh, attitudes that human beings can, can carry with them on sexuality that are not based in sin and, and, and not demonized so that people actually can have a healthier outlook. <laughs> not, you know, that old idea that like what you shame persists, what you resist continues. I said that purposely to annoy you all. And I messed up the words that was not accidental. You know what I'm saying here though? Like everything within the, the Mormon uh, chastity culture can honestly be quite uh, problematic in and of itself, but they want to paint the outside world who, who do not live within this covenant path and these guidelines as, the, as being the problematic ones. It's like, no, 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 sweetheart. Like if you, if you actually just let people have normative human experiences and you teach them correct principles and, and uh, things that are, are uh, the best practices that we know of at least right now with a continuing revelation of what science and psychology and like gender expression and all of all of the things that are are still uh our, our our human existence is still trying to understand and figure out instead of saying we got it it's right here 
all of this is just, and it creates such a scrupulosity, which again, that's, that's what the church kind of wants. They want to tell you that you're broken and that they are the solution. Uh, no, Nelson. The Lord has declared that no unchaste person will attain the celestial kingdom. Mm, I just don't like it at all. It's just, I, I can be as chaste as possible. I could literally sit like this every day, like, and, and never touch a genital. And uh, I still would disagree. It's, it's just a, a harmful teaching. When someone you love attacks truth, think celestial and don't question your testimony. The Apostle Paul prophesied that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Uh, some people will depart. Some people will give heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of the devil. May I just remind you what I said at the very beginning, that if you need to instill fear like this. Wasn't it Lucifer's plan in heaven that like, I will have such authoritarian control over your, over the children of, of yours, Elohim, that, that they will be unable to choose because of the, the constraints that I'm going to put around them. Like if, if that's what you have to say about outsiders and, and people who have varying opinions, I would say, actually help when you collaborate and you lead with love and you don't lead with this idea that people are are uh, outside of your group or just led by the devil if you can lead with like a love and a collaboration as i hope that our our best instincts as humans would would want us to do to build the kind of world that we want if you if you have to do the opposite of that you are you are making a case for lucifer's plan there is no end to the adversary's deceptions. Please be prepared. Never take counsel from those who do not believe. There it is. Never take counsel from those who do not believe. Never take counsel. So advice, people who uh, don't have a testimony of the prophet. It's a, it's a real tell when somebody is like, don't listen to anyone else but me. How do you know you should listen to me? Because you're already listening to me and I'm telling you to listen to me. And if you stop listening to me, then you're doing something wrong. Okay, okay, I'll keep listening to you. Like, why need brain? Just outsource it. Psh. This this type of rhetoric is what makes it so difficult for Mormons and ex-Mormons to, to talk to each other. And it's it's very ironic because... Just, I think, last conference, President Nelson had an entire talk about enough polarization. I wish I had the clip right now. Dang it. I, I tried to pull it up in time. It's like he's like, uh, we're, we're creating so much divisiveness and instilling fear about opposition and polarization. We need to stop demonizing one another. And then six months later, it's like it's almost like the the 100 year olds who run the church do have as much like dementia as we already know they do. It's like, did you not remember your talk from six months ago that was actually lovely? I thought we were going to go with that. But then that talk came, it's like what, six months out, or I don't know, two years after the lazy learners and lax disciples can barely muster up a shred of faith, you know? So these attitudes from the church are extremely divisive, especially to people 
who have mixed faith families, as I'll get into. They're paying tithing. It's all about faith, not money. As a full tithe payer, the windows of heaven began to open for me. I attribute several subsequent professional opportunities to our faithful payment of tithes. Paying tithing requires faith, and it also builds faith in God and His Son, Jesus Christ. It's kind of like the sunken cost fallacy. It's like when I paid my tithing as a Mormon, I was looking for blessings. I was looking for anything to say, holy shnikes, I just lost my job and I cannot afford to pay this, but I will see blessings. You'll see blessings. Like an, a good parking spot in LA, that is a blessing. You will just assume everything is because you paid your tithing. Choosing to live a virtuous life in a sexualized, politicized world builds faith. Spending more time in the temple builds faith. I just put those two together because it's like really ironic because he's talking about think celestial. Do not worry about the concerns of the worldly people around you. And while you're thinking celestial, two big tips. Never forget to pay your tithing and spend a lot of time in the place where you have to pass a temple recommend interview and you have to you have to make sure that you can only enter if you are living celestially so uh it also is convenient because you have to you have to pay us to to get in there and if you don't have a temple recommend you're not going to be able to there's a saying in mormonism it's not just a saying it's, it's like an actual part of the doctrine that if you're worried if you where you're going to end up in the afterlife but you have a temple recommend don't worry you're safe. So he's just like, do the two things that are super advantageous to us. And again, everything about high demand religions like this always come down to outsourcing your autonomy, your intuition to uh, this, this outside source, this higher power. And if it's not serving you, not only is it something that you need to change, you just do the thing more that they tell you to do and questioning it or listening to other people who uh, might tell you some reasons why your questions legitimately make sense and uh, help you with that cognitive dissonance you're experiencing, all of that outsider stuff is supposed to just be suffocated down to continue in that outsourcing, continue in that, that admiration and that loyalty to the thing that is actually not even serving you. It's, it's painful, but that's, that's kind of part of the Mormon shelf breaking experience. And your service and worship in the temple will help you to think celestial. All right. And now we're going to get into some other things I liked. So those are my Nelson clips. Twitter just destroyed the uh, retweet that uh, the new church newsroom said on President Nelson. Um, I'm going to move this to here, maybe. I like that better. I don't have to scooch over. So... Uh, the church newsroom retweets that quote like I showed at the beginning, and the comments are highly entertaining. And Tom said, if any of you lack wisdom, remember, don't just ask anyone, only the 0.002% who believe like you. Okay, so you guys, no introduction needed. Alicia Lee, she's the woman, good friend of mine, at uh, Faith Unraveled on TikTok. I just wanted her to summarize a lot of the reasons why this talk is problematic and we're gonna we're gonna talk about it 
So I'm going to make a big claim right now. President Russell M. Nelson, president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, just made a statement this weekend that has the potential to harm every active family in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Did you see it? So he says, never take counsel from those who do not believe. If you're not familiar with the church's vernacular, counsel is like advice. Like don't ever take advice from someone who's not a believer in the Mormon church. And I want you to just think for a second. Can you think of an LDS family that doesn't have a family member who has left the church, a family member who is inactive, a family member who is LGBTQ+, a family member who is a believer in another religion. Because I can't think of one. And what Mr. Nelson is doing is he is dehumanizing those people, telling you that they are so invalid that you can't even go to them for advice or counsel. The church, in my eyes, has been on a steep slope moving away from the teachings of Jesus. And this is another example. And this is, this is a big one. This is going to be the reason that more people leave. Guaranteed. Just, I, I just want to give the mic to Alicia anytime that I can. So this is going to cause a lot of harm to families. And as a matter of fact, I was having some conversations through DMs since this talk went down. And if you are a therapist or you see a therapist in Utah that has a large Mormon clientele, I'd be interested if you ask them or if you know, because the word on the street is that since this talk was given, that couples who go to therapists who are not LDS, if one of the spouses is, is Mormon, one or both of them, they are firing their non-LDS therapists. And that's some, that's some real culty behavior. And I try to resist using that C word as much as I can, because when, when you're Mormon and you hear the somebody call your church a cult. You're like, well, I'm not like insert all the other things I said at the beginning about, you know, David Koresh and Jim Jones and stuff. It's like, yeah, you're, you're right. You're, you're not that right now. Your church is dabbled in that area for a long time, but it should really be a, a wake up call that your prophet is using the same type of us versus them authoritarian Reddit re uh, re rhetoric to get his points across because the, the God that I worshiped in Mormonism, I would not recognize Russell L. Nelson as his mouthpiece. And uh, if there are Mormons within the church, they're not, they're not in tune with any type of uh, like autonomy and, and what I would call uh, actual conscientiousness around what is serving them in their marriage and their families and their lives. Sometimes it is just, this is the only path to obtain the salvation I've been told about. So we're going to do what the prophet says. There goes the best, most qualified therapist that could actually help me with evidence-based practices. So it's some scary, uh, I know I said out there authoritarian Reddit. I'm trying to move through this really fast. Kara, you suck even when you're slow. That's neither here nor there. And then I can't just give you one side of the ex-Mormon piece without giving you the pro-Mormon side. And 
having no commentary and just loving it, just loving, loving, loving it, having no commentary. So take it away, missionary universe. President Nelson made a lot of bold statements in this talk, one of which no unchaste person can enter the celestial kingdom. He spoke about overcoming addictions and obsessions and making Christ our focus. While it may seem difficult or for some... So I have a big problem with this. I've always had a big problem with the idea that Mormons can say making Christ the focus. That sounds so nice. Making Christ the focus. Who doesn't want to make Christ the focus? Obviously, that is not what Mormonism is. And I'm not talking like, woo, all the evangelical Christians in my comment section cheering who are like, I knew them's Mormons never actually believed in them, their Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the idea of who Jesus Christ is only exists in every single uh, uh, religious devotees minds. So the, the conditions in which you understand who Jesus Christ is and what he expects of you is only there through being placed and conditioned over time about what the leadership of the Mormon church tells you. And there's a difference. If you want me to talk about Christians about, you know, Christians can put Jesus Christ at the center. That still is a, an elaborate, long, uh, edited and, uh, manipulated story about who this Christ figure was that was this this Messiah who who fulfilled this messianic covenant that is just so shoehorned into the Old Te Testament and into uh, a million different uh, periods throughout history to give people of the time something to look to and to worship. So you can believe in this Jesus Christ that he was this homeless preaching rabbi and he taught these different things. But the text of the Bible that you are pulling that from and how you should live is, is still going to be so influenced by the editors of the Bible, the, the scribes that wrote it 90 years later, the uh, political influences that went into its abridgment of the books that you keep in, the ones that you don't read. And then you add Mormonism into that, the, the contradictions that exist within Mormonism, the contradictions that exist within Jesus Christ teaching themselves, everything about who, uh, I, I'll say a, a Mormon a devotee of Jesus Christ, of what he, they assume he wants and needs from them, those, those are all placed in there by teachings of the Mormon prophets. There's, name a thing that Mormons think Jesus Christ wants them to do that wasn't placed in there by a talk or a doctrine or a policy that they got from the, the church that they belong to. My, my entire point here is the, the very God that we're supposed to be seeking after, I would say, is one that is within, that is is not so uh, determined by your, your circumstances and what you read and what you lift and what you cherry pick and what, you know, part of the world that you live in and what your influences are. It's uh, it's a God of divinity of that, that, that comes from within that is based on uh, the, the highest calling that you can find within yourself to achieve a type of Christ consciousness that motivates you to, to serve and love and forgive that is ubiquitous amongst all different types of religions, but cannot just be boiled down and, and quantified that, that the Christ that you need to be striving to follow with more exactness is within this Mormon church because it changes and it's constantly subject to change by outside influences. And so if we are always as people subject to outside, outside influences, 
can we not just say that we we rest assured within ourselves outside of what other people say that we know the 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 qualities that we want to strive for our spirituality is based a lot more in uh the uh the 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 material and the ritual that can then uh, give us and and imbue a certain meaning within our life that doesn't have to constantly come from the outside and and the ways that we show up so i have a big problem with this idea that that just put put Christ the center, and it's and it's as easy as that. That in and of itself is a type of authoritarian control that I just reject. It's too simplistic, and it uh, it, it sounds nice, but it puts all of the thinking off onto other people. All of this talk of President Nelson's has a lot to do with, um, uh, you know, thinking celestial, ob obtaining like this higher law, this higher consciousness that uh, I just don't believe is uh, really able to be achieved within the Mormon religion because you're, you're constantly outsourcing it. True spirituality comes from actual work. It's, it's not coming from outsourcing and assuming some guru or some prophet has the answers. It comes from like the shadow work and going within to find uh, that, that center. So uh, they think they have it, but they don't. Sorry, your spirituality sucks. For some impossible to remove any or all impure thoughts, we know that with God, anything is possible, which is honestly really exciting. In his youth, I just imagine him being like, and with God, we know that all things are possible. You know, I just wish that this uh, youth pastor vibe that I'm giving you guys here on TikTok was a lot more popular because I'm only uh, able to give these kinds of speeches uh, to my TikTok audience because I'm placed in the nursery right now. But I would just love to be able to talk to the young men because uh, that's what I was meant to do because I just was born, popped out of the womb, talking like this. And uh, speaking of the womb, I just had an image of my mom's vagina. And I uh, just know that through God, all things are possible. And uh, I'm pitching a tent in my pants right now, but it's just so nice to know that we can always overcome any struggles we have and obey the law of chastity through the teachings of President Nelson in this talk. So I just encourage all of us to readjust our, our boners from when we just say normal words that crop up in everyday conversations. That's what he says to me. That's how I do it. That's what, that's all youth, President Nelson realized that too often people listen to a prophet's invitation with a question mark. He instead decided to listen to a prophet's invitation with an exclamation point. I hope that in today's invitation to think celestial, we can do so with an exclamation point. Don't wonder if it's even possible. Know that a prophet of God has promised us that we can think celestial and let's start doing it. Let's expect miracles. If the prophet, I'm sorry. Most of this is just me making fun of them. <laughs> it's in It's just, I don't, I know what it's like to be a content creator and I know what it's like to um, practice what you're going to say. And anytime where somebody turns on the camera and they act like they're laughing, like they just pressed, they're like, Hey, what's up guys? Oh, you know, that's like their 15th take. And so for this guy to be like, you know, this thought just like occurred to me to just, if we can just try to think celestial, 
I'm just barely putting two and two together right now for you guys. And it's just like, I feel like if we could just think celestial in the ways that President Nelson asked us to, it's almost like so many people put a, a question mark on Revelation. But President Nelson, it's like he's putting a, a, an exclamation mark. Like, are you hearing these brilliant takes? Tara's been listening to a lot of Queen Herbie lately. Do you guys like her new album? It absolutely slaps. I will not talk to a single one of you until you guys go listen to that entire new Queen Herbie album. Thank you. Just pitching all my favorite things right now. So that is what we have in terms of President Nelson and a couple other things in the sphere. Now, would you guys like me to end the live stream here? Because I promised myself I was going to be under 40 minutes. And that is, it's not a promise. That was a question mark. I said, under, under 40 minutes? It was supposed to be an exclamation point. Kara, not too long, but now it's just. So you tell me how much longer I want me to go, because I also have something else prepared. The good times continue. <laughs> All right. I'm going to make myself bigger because I'm vain. Perfect. Okay. So I've collected a lot of the roasts that we have, just the things to say, but we also need to get into what this effect is going to be on mixed faith marriages in the Mormon church. So I liked this meme. It said, never take counsel from those who don't report known pedophiles to the police. And it has a picture of all of the leadership of the church. Perfect. No notes. So I'm just going to go through all the tweets that I liked after that quote from President Nelson on Twitter. And it's really entertaining because the, the ex-Mormons of Twitter really showed up. Just like 17 red flags. That's all you need to know. I've gotten much better counsel from those outside the church than those in the church. Please only listen to us. This is getting really hard to manage. Just uh, reminds me of Jeb Bush when he was running for president a few years ago after he's giving a speech. And it's like, please clap. Like a lot of stuff is going on in the news. It's getting really hard to manage. Just stick here. Somebody else posted the 13th article of faith. This is a perfect rebuttal to that. It says, if there's anything virtuous, lovely, or of good report or praiseworthy, we seek after these things. Not only is that, that's actually, that's good. That's a great thumbs up, Joseph Smith, for writing that. Anything virtuous, lovely, of good report, praiseworthy, we seek after these things. A-okay from me. But then you're, you're outsourcing so much of who you place in an authority over your mind and family and salvation and people who can't even have a, one consistent message. Don't seek after anything that's praiseworthy outside of the membership of the church. because the, the outsiders are the ones who are going to be leading you down. What if something they say is praiseworthy? What if it's like, I don't know, intelligent and uh, uh, well-researched and peer-reviewed, following the best practices that we understand of the day? Uh, well, if you're going to get advice that might change the direction of your life and they don't believe... That is what makes it unpraiseworthy. That's what makes it unvirtuous. That's like, that is a really scary cult-like tactic that you determine the value of something solely based on if the person telling it to you is a member of your religion or not. 
straight out of the bite model for authoritarian control by Dr. Stephen Hassan. Deception up there, deliberately withholding information, distort information to make it more acceptable, systemically lie to the cult member. And then number two, minimize or discourage access to non-cult sources of information, including internet, radio. I realize this isn't very big. I'll put it up big for you guys. Internet, TV, radio, books, articles, newspapers, magazines, media, critical information. Don't listen to former members. Keep members busy so they don't have time to think and investigate. Control through cell phones with texting, calls, internet tracking. Is this looking bad or am I just not a cult member and this looks bad? Because if, if there is something that I am missing here, please tell me if controlling who you talk to is praiseworthy, please give me the best argument as to why President Nelson should get away with saying those types of things, right? Isn't the church trying to get away from the cult image? This isn't how you do that. You should definitely lead with this line where you send missionaries to people so they know that the church isn't all interested, isn't at all interested in what they have to say unless they convert. Props to that. Like, yeah, I mean... This is harmful rhetoric to mixed faith, faith families, which is most families in the church now. Absolutely. How, like Alicia said, who doesn't know somebody who has left the church? And if you don't, you should. They're a good time. I also liked this one. Aren't we to use our gift of discernment to recognize truth from whatever it may come? Why are you demanding members never take counsel from their loved ones who are no longer part of the church? Why are you attacking the foundation of mixed faith families. And then there's a quote from Joseph F. Smith from Gospel Doctrines that says, we believe in all truth, no matter to what subject it may refer. No sect or religious denomination, or I might say no searcher of truth in the world possesses a single principle of truth that we do not accept or that we will reject. We are willing to receive all truth from whatever source it may come for truth will stand. Truth will endure. Sounds all right to me. And then in a response to this, I really liked what the, the therapists are coming out to have to say. So Sarah Clark said, so since I'm an ex-Mormon and a clinical mental health counselor, should my LDS clients ignore my relevant and evidence-based counsel because I'm not a believer? Should members only seek LDS counselors? How does this work outside of the Mormon corridor? Excellent point. She went on to say, do you think my clients who are in faith crisis, don't talk to me about it. It's absolutely relevant to mental health. They are in need of my help and I give it to them professionally and without judgment. Would you encourage a client who has worked with me to not talk about it? It's as simple as that truly. And um, when I was in therapy, when my husband was leaving the church and my counselor was a guy and he was an ex-Mormon, it didn't really come up a lot. But one of the things we eventually started talking about was like, how's your marriage? How are things going? I was like, yeah, Aaron's leaving the church. And he's like, how do you feel about that? Like simple things about uh, asking myself how I feel. And he said, my counselor said to me, uh, well, what are his reasons? And I directly said to my therapist at the time, actually, I, I actually don't even know where it's, we don't even want to talk about it because I... I don't really want to know what his reasons are. But then when I said that out loud, 
I realized how stupid that sounded that I don't even know what my husband's reasons are. I just know that we're probably not going to agree. And he's like, we ended that session by him saying, you should probably go find out what his reasons are. And I was like, well, yeah, obviously it's like, um, what are people in mixed faith marriages supposed to do? Are they not supposed to like listen to counselors who are like, listen to each other's issues? Because if you, if Mormons are, are listening to the issues that ex-Mormons have, I, I've always said that like empathy um, and, uh, and empathy itself is like the, the barrier to Mormons staying in the, in the church. It's, it's the, uh, the bridge that most of us want to cross to understand our loved ones and what their issues are. And the church is asking us to kind of withhold that empathy and that understanding and not walk down that road with them. And it's this type of rhetoric from uh, Nelson and so many Mormons who are supporting this right now that it's like, where did all that leave the 99 to go after one? Whatever happened to that morning with those that mourn, you know? And then honor thy father and mother. This is a commandment. You just told the children of mixed faith marriages that the counsel of their non-member parents should not be honored. Once again, showing your message is in direct opposition to Christ. Seriously? Yeah. No notes. Expo candles. I have a million of them. <laughs> they said, we're pro-family, but absolutely do not listen to a single thing your non-believing family members might say especially not when it comes to the often traumatic decision to leave the church. Very, very, very good advice for having healthy, close families, close families. And then the old self on the shelf. So in response to them saying, there's no end to the adversary's deceptions. Please be prepared. Never take counsel from those who do not believe. Zelf said, Thanks for explaining why Utah is the affinity fraud capital of the nation. This is exactly how you get members who won't listen to medical experts or scientists, but will blindly listen to fraudulent believers like Tim Ballard, Chad Daybell, Ruby Frankie, and Jody Hildebrandt. If you don't want people to think of you as a cult, you gotta stop saying culty things. Mic drop. And I also enjoyed this one. When you employ the word Satan, it's oh, such a giveaway. They said, Satan is a rhetorical device used to manipulate our fear and shame. He is only ever invoked in absence of evidence and reason. Mic drop. That brings us to this post on ex-Mormon Reddit that was so, so heartbreaking that this is what the families have to go through right now, that it's just not more obvious. You shouldn't have to say this to your bishop. I think every everybody in the church should be able to say this is an idea that we wholeheartedly reject but uh this this husband said my wife's email to the bishopric her shelf broke due to nelson's talk and uh this is the below is the the letter to the bishop i'm going to read it says hello bishop I'm writing today to inform you that I won't be attending church with any regularity from this point on. I sincerely regret the inconvenience this places you blank in particular. I fully intend to help with the program, but after the prophet's remarks at general conference, this is no longer possible. That talk was the last straw. You go girl. In short, it is impossible for me to endorse through my silence a church but it's leaders who insist that honorable, compassionate people like my husband are, quote, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of the devil, end quote. And more importantly, I will not tolerate my son being taught to, quote, never take counsel from those who do not believe. That is to say, his father, a truly shocking thing to be taught in the name of Jesus. 
Damn right, girl. The true beauty of the church has always been found at the local level. I have stayed as long as I have because of welcoming and friendly people like all of you. Please understand that neither blank nor I harbor any resentment towards anyone in the ward. She sounds like a class act. She's making it sure. I know you didn't say this. Just the guy that you uh, revere as a prophet. I have a bone to pick with him. Uh, we are not interested in proselytizing efforts, but are hopeful we can continue to participate in social events and service projects. I felt that directing this email to the three of you was appropriate given my position in the primary and to facilitate logistics for the Relief Society as needed. She's thoughtful. She's caring. <laughs> I am happy to continue to receive ministering outreach, but understand if those efforts are felt to be better served elsewhere. Thank you for your understanding. Then the husband went on to say, I should have made this title be her last straw due to Nelson's talk as her shelf broke earlier this year. My amazing wife has been struggling with the church the past several years. I've been out for nine years and we were married, not in the temple five years ago. Our courtship was lovely and we made dating and marriage work so well as a mixed faith couple. I respected her spiritual choices and she respected mine. We never secretly wished that the other would jump ship and join the other in or out of the church. However, things started to build up for her the past couple of years. And though she would still go to primary as she was the primary pianist, her shelf has been building up. Anyway, Nelson's recent closing talk about those who leave was the final straw. She wrote this letter to her bishop, primary president, and Relief Society president this morning. I understand I'm not worthy of her. Her kindness, thoughtfulness is unmatched. She's the most wonderful person I have ever met. Well, isn't that just the perfect timing to feel? the tears well up while reading ex-Mormon Reddit. These are real people's lives that are influenced by the rhetoric that comes across the pulpit in these meetings. And it's, it's not just the things that they say that they don't, that, that people don't like. It's also for somebody who's a prophet seer and revelator to not see and predict the kind of harm that's going to be going down because of it. It's, uh, another indication that they really just don't care. It's about continuing people's devotion and, and following of them at any cost. Uh, and then another one from Reddit that I really liked that said, wrote my missionary about Nelson's attack on non-believers and a couple other conference highlights. Nelson brought the fight to me, and I'm not going to be silent while he denigrates me to my family. I CC'd my TBM wife on the email, and I'm going to bring it up with my other TBM kids soon. If you're not familiar, TBM is shorthand for True Blue Mormon, meaning they're Mormony Mormon family members. Context, shortly before her mission, I admitted to mocking and criticizing the church and its leaders. Based. Uh, she was shocked and offended. You choose to be offended. Look up Bedner's talk. She was shocked and offended and took it quite personally. Also, the first letter I sent her in the MTC was counsel, which I had put a lot of effort into to be supportive and respectful while offering advice she probably won't get from the mission leadership based. Nelson has now clearly labeled it all as trash. Yeah, he's mad. I'd be mad too, man. The email says, I know it hurts you. So the email to the, from this, this father to their missionary child says, I know it hurts you to know that I mock and criticize the church organization and its leaders. I'm sorry for that hurt. I want to make it clear that I don't mock members for believing, including you. I don't mock members either, only that missionary guy. And then I'm going to get into Desnat Twitter in a second. 
my mocking, I have a real clear warning when you know you're being mocked. It usually comes with me satirizing you in some type of improv scenario where you are trying to suffocate down pitching a tent in your pants. If any of that comes up, you know you're being mocked, but generally any members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you are welcome to watch because I know how hard it is to deal with cognitive dissonance and you need a friend. I love you. Nuanso is here for you. You want to go you want to go get a smoothie? It won't even be a TK one for me. We'll just get regular Jamba together. Caribbean passion with them a boost. Okay. So he's he's setting the tone. It's it's not about you. It's systems, not people. He said, I was one. I know why you believe. I respect that. And I respect your choices and integrity. I criticize the church organization and its leaders because they actively hurt me and my relationships with those I love. Preach, dad. Apostle J. Reuben Clark said, if we have truth, it cannot be harmed by investigation. If we have not truth, it ought to be harmed. So based. Love, love you, uh, J. Reuben Clark, for that. In contrast, Russell M. Nelson said, when someone you love attacks truth, don't question your testimony. President Gordon B. Hinckley said regarding church finances, quote, that information belongs to those who made the contribution, despite President Hinckley and the church continuing to hide its finances from those very contributors. Based. Apostle Neil L. Anderson, knowing the church got fined recently by the IRS for intentionally breaking the law in hiding its investments from the public and church members, contradicted him what the authorities of the church do, or sorry, what the authorities of the church do with it need not concern you. See, it's like, if you're worried about it, only the people within the church know. Okay, I am a person within the church. Can I know? The authorities of the church are the only ones who need to know what we do with our close to a trillion dollars. They are sustained as prophets, seers, and revelators, but they contradict each other. I do criticize that. I find I fight against the hypocrisy, but perhaps the most harmful things said in conference was President Nelson telling you to never take counsel from those who do not believe. This hurts me deeply. President Nelson and I are at an impasse. He tells you not to take counsel from your father. He either said this as a representative of God or he did not. Love the qualifier. Preach, Father. He's placed himself and the church firmly between you and me and sought to strip me of any value in your life. Unbelievable. He is fighting against our family. What can a father do when his child, when his children believe in a prophet that makes their father the enemy? I promise not every letter will be this painful. I love you. I support you in following what you believe, even though it is not what I believe. I'm glad you are happy and always wish you the best. I hope you continue to have a good experience throughout your mission. Love, Dad. Woo! Preach, Papa. Papa, do preach. She's in trouble deep. All right. And now I wanted to talk about uh, Dr. Julie Hanks. So... Obviously, within the church, there are still going to be faithful Latter-day Saints who also have gotten degrees, who are still therapists, who are going to tell Mormons, I know you're struggling with this. I am a member of your faith, and I also have a background, and I'm qualified to speak about this. And Mormons go, great, you believe in my faith, and you also have some extra training. Enter in people like... 
Natasha Helfer. Oh, wait, they excommunicated her for teaching the best practices around sexuality. Enter in Dr. Julie Hanks. So uh, we we always love and encourage when there are people who are willing to stand up against the what the prophet is saying within the church to try to help mend these tensions. And she uh, was posting on her social media some different things I wanted to read. She said, I'm committed to helping. I am committed to helping to people in. Ha, she messed it up, not me. I am committed to helping to people. See, that wasn't me. I'm committed to helping people in and around the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints become mentally, relationally, and spiritually healthy. I'm committed to doing what I can to alleviate suffering and pain. With this in mind, I share the following thoughts on General Conference that I find to be helpful and healthy. And she goes on to say, I do not believe families will be separated for eternity. Based. I believe that it is important to respect and listen to multiple uh, perspectives, including those who leave the church. Right on. I believe that love is a far more powerful motivator than fear. It's almost as if she went to one of those elite liberal colleges where they teach people about love. And, oh, she went to BYU? Okay. I define the weak link as anyone who mistreats takes advantage of or abuses others. I believe that heavenly parents are too vast and too loving to be offended by our earthly struggles, including addiction and compulsions. And I really like that because as somebody who was working at Mormon stories for a long time and everybody in the church, you know, at some point deals with depression. And I can't tell you how many stories that I sat through where somebody was talking about an aspect of their life. They're struggling with an, an addiction whether like big, big A addiction or little A addiction that was told them was an addiction in the church or just regular depression that can be from a myriad of different things. And that pain and hunger for actual spiritual healing that is just not afforded to them when they're told to keep reading their scriptures and that their struggles will be uh, uh, mended by following the prescriptions of the church leaders themselves. And there's just there's just things that just are not going to be solved within that. And it's only going to lead and, and spiral them downwards into more anxiety and more depression. And so we need people within the LDS church to not be excommunicated, to not be pushed off as like some, some crazy person on the margins who's saying some legitimately normal stuff that, that, that can fit within your, your worldview of Mormonism, that heavenly parents are, you know, they're not offended and they, they want to love you, like you can still have those two things yeah, coexist at the same time. But will the Mormons allow Julie Hanks to stay a member or will they not? So then I went to go scrolling down and I just wanted to share this with you guys. This is kind of, this is the this is where we get into the gross part. Okay. So she, she uh, rightly so, I think that's awesome. She charges, you know, 40 bucks and she's telling people, that they're going to do in a, dis a discussion group for general conference to process things. Uh, Julie Hanks consulting and it says, do you need help processing hurt about some of the conference messages? You are not alone and 49 spots left for $40. If there's anyone out there who has a problem with that, please let me know why I think that somebody who is struggling, they should look for help, a counseling group, 
find like-minded people who are struggling with the same things. Awesome. And I think professionals like her should get paid to do it. Uh, but let me show you the absolute roasting that she took from the Mormons of Twitter who would rather her be excommunicated. So one person said, I'm half tempted to sign up for the entertainment factor of listening to seven mentally deranged women vent their frustrations about growing up in a peaceful community where everyone serves each other. But I, but I was asked to give the closing prayer rather than the opening. Ah, let me look at, let me, let me look at the, the tweeter who said that Ben and Jerry's manager. You're on the internet. What you say whether you like it or not, represents the type of people you find at church, the type of God you worship and what that God does to change a person into somebody that is a reflection of himself, AKA Jesus Christ. And if the things that you say on the internet that people read when they are struggling are completely removed from mourning with those that mourn, trying to listen and empathize with the struggles people in or outside of your tribe and it is to mock and belittle and uh, characterize someone's experiences as something that is not even in the realm of pain and suffering of the real world consequences of their day-to-day -day life of what they have to live with because of your profit and you want to minimize that you are you are doing exactly what us ex-Mormons love. You're doing that thing where you're being a total dick on the internet. And we're saying, yeah, you stop being such an authoritarian asshole because we left because you guys are being authoritarian assholes. And then they're like, well, why don't you just go on the internet and be an authoritarian asshole? If you want to leave, you should leave. You're doing a perfect job. No notes. Imagine paying money to have someone validate your faithfulness. Oh, how can I roast this? I can go so many different ways. Oh, having paying money to have someone validate your faithlessness. For one, there's people who are actually in the church who have faith. They could have 100% faith. They could just be like going to the temple, paying their tithing, raising their kids. And now their husband comes to them and says, this is really difficult because uh, you, you're, you're firing our counselor or therapist who is not LDS because you don't want to take counsel from them. This is really, and the wife says, well, that's, that's I'm going to follow the prophet. And he's like, well, we have kids together. We have a house together. I don't want to break up. Can we, can we talk about this? Okay, well, let's go find a Mormon therapist, Julie Hanks, and we'll pay $40 and we'll go to her group. And then to some Mormons, all that does is just validate the faithlessness of somebody. I think that that's actually validating that life is real. Life is full of like you know, piles of bullshit that people need help uh, carving their path through. And this one's also, I wish I scrolled past this tweet, even though that's what his account name is. It said, I have a post-conference discussion group that's free. We meet on Sundays and it's called Elders Corn. Oh my gosh, he really got us with that one. I was like, what is your free discussion group? Oh, it's just where all of the same people who believe the same things in a male-centric group talk amongst each other about the faithfulness of other people who just need to seek after guidance from somebody who has a budging degree in mental health counseling. 
let's roast them while they're in their discussion groups. Who wants to say the opening prayer? Not a woman, because it's elders quorum. So I uh, think that is about my wrap up for what you'll see on the uh, internet overall in reactions to the talk that President Nelson gave. I um, really uh, wish that the church would embrace, you know, best practices overall, but as time has gone on, the church has always said that its greatest enemies are what? The feminists, the liberals, the intellectuals, and the homosexuals. Thank you guys for your sweet, sweet super chats. If you want to have any more come in, I wanted to tell one more story. I just got back from LA a couple days ago and I really appreciate you, Kara, and your brave use of your beautiful voice. Thank you. Appreciate you, Melissa. And I just wanted to tell you this funny story. So I uh, was down in LA for the week with my nine-year-old daughter and had so much fun. I used to live in Santa Monica for three years before she was born. I was pregnant with her there and I was a nanny. I have whole hordes of stories. Uh, I was at my most Jesus freak stage when I was a nanny for this one family. And the, the family and I are still in touch and we're still good friends. So when I was down there visiting for my daughters, uh, she wanted to go on a trip for her birthday. So it was a good mommy daughter trip. And then while I was down there, I was staying with Shalise and Jonathan of Cults to Consciousness. So side plug for uh, their channel. They're so brilliant, so articulate, so dialed in and so good at what they do. It was really an honor to do a collab with them that's on my channel that we did about Tim Ballard. And we did over on the their channel, Cults to Consciousness, uh, about the handcart treks that were just forced death marches by Brigham Young. So make sure you go check those out. So what was funny was um, I uh, spending all week with Shalise and Jonathan down there having an absolutely delightful time. And I visited this family I used to nanny for a couple times. And I uh, met this park with them one night. And just that morning, we had filmed this video, the William Martin Handcart Company one. You know, I'm still wearing the shirt from that morning. We recorded it like 10 in the morning. Still wearing my... Uh, tie-dye shirt and we're sitting at the park and this family my friend's name is Christine and her mom or her her mother-in-law and father-in-law were visiting from Santa Barbara and I hadn't seen this these in-laws in like a decade but I used to be in, around their family constantly when I used to live in Santa Monica and I was the nanny so I was like oh hi Kathy hi Bruce you know I'm catching up with them it's been 10 years they didn't quite realize they left the church and so they're interested to hear a little bit about that and I was telling them that I'm a content creator and I uh, started this nonprofit and I do YouTube and podcasting now. And we're talking for a while and about an hour goes by until uh, they they ask me what type of content we I make. And it just was really cute. It was one of those adorable coincidental things that just made my heart so happy. And I just wanted to end on this note that no matter what the losers of the internet say, people really, uh, you guys are in the audience are so kind to to watch our stuff. And even Kathy, even this grandma I haven't seen in a decade, <laughs> she's like, oh, what kind of content do you make? And I was a little bit nervous. You know, you don't always want to say that it's what, what kind of content it is, even though I know she raised her kids to be atheists, basically. And I'm like, well, it's, you know, deconstruction content around Mormonism and, and stuff like that. And she goes, oh, 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 
you know, this channel I've been loving, there's this channel. I just, it's called, um, cults, cults to consciousness with Shalice. And I get to be like, Kathy, shut up. Like, oh my God. Like that's, that's who I'm staying with right now. Like I was just telling you, I was filming all week. I was like, that's, that's who I was filming with is Shalice. And she's just like, huh? What? And I was like, I pull up my phone. I'm like, YouTube. And I'm like, no, look. And she's like, oh, the Amish one. I just watched that one yesterday. She's like, Shalice and Jonathan's number one fan of cults to consciousness. And here I am being like, oh my God, go check out this one. I just did this morning. So it's just the coincidence of it. And just a coincidence of an adorable lifetime that you just run into somebody. I wouldn't even expect you're like you, you watch cult deconstruction content, this 70 year old woman. Anyway, if, if Kathy watches this, sorry, if I called you 70, you're probably in your mid sixties. Anyway, delightful couple. Just wanted to do a shout out to them that it makes me really happy. The far wide reach that my content generally, I guess the 110,000 followers that are much more than mine, it calls to consciousness have. So it feels good that this content is making it all the way to Santa Barbara and beyond. So I thought that was a cute story. Couldn't wait to tell Shalise and Jonathan. And anyway, quite the quinky dink. So I'm going to leave you with that now. And you guys know exactly where to find all of my links. If you want to donate to this channel and be a reoccurring monthly donor, I really need to get more monthly donors. We kind of expect certain amount of funds to come in and budget accordingly and just kind of build that up. So if that's financially feasible for you, donor box is a great place to do that. And if you want to join my Patreon, it's another good one. And, uh, overall just remember not to, uh, follow cults, but follow consciousness, the, the YouTube channel, and also just generally as an, an attitude in life. All right. Love you so much. I, Hope you are having a great weekend and I'm about to go do a second live stream, I think right now on something. <laughs> I love, I live to work. All right. Love you so much. Bye.